The following message is from Pastor Peter Cho of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. Well, we want to welcome you to Baptism Sunday. This is one of my uh, most favorite Sundays of the year, not just because I get to wear a t-shirt on Sunday, but um, it's my favorite because I love everything that baptism represents. And um, if you've grown up in the church, I think it's easy to take for granted all these kind of strange traditions that we practice, um, but we, we do some strange things here. And I don't think you really realize it until you invite a, a friend who's never been to church or is not a Christian to come and, and witness it. But when else do you get together with a bunch of other people and just sing out loud with them, Right? just like we did this morning, unless you're at a birthday party singing happy birthday or something, right? When else do you take out a little snack with a bunch of other people and eat it with a small cup of juice? Besides preschool, right? But we do that here almost every week. And why would you go into a little bathtub in front of hundreds of people and dunk yourself underwater without wearing a swimsuit? That's just crazy. Elizabeth and Isaac, you agree? That's just that's crazy. Well, in the next 20 minutes, I want to try and explain baptism in a way I, I wish someone explained it to me when I was in high school. What is baptism? What are we doing? Why do we do this? Um, baptism can, can seem trivial when we only see it as a command that is to be obeyed or a box on the spiritual checklist that we have to mark off or a religious rite of passage. But baptism can be transformational if we understand the spiritual reality that God is revealing to us through this physical reenactment. I think a good way to understand baptism is, is when Jesus gives the command to be baptized in the Great Commission, which are his last words to his closest friends before he leaves them. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, let's read together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So it begs the question, why did Jesus command that all of his disciples get baptized immediately after they become believers? What's going on here? I believe God desires every new believer to get baptized because the first thing that he wants us to understand is that we have a new identity. The moment that we become one with Jesus, a new identity has been formed. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the one who loved me, gave himself for me. You see, baptism is first and foremost an expression of God's self-giving love. And it's actually the same message that we find in the sacrament of marriage, where God tells us the marriage union is about two becoming one. And we have a new identity because Jesus is living inside of us, and I am his, and he is mine, and nothing can separate me from his love. We are one, always and forever. And by becoming one with Jesus, you not only have died to your old self and your old ways, but God says, you now have a new identity because you are a new creation. And that God has remade you. And this is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 
And this is why Jesus tells Nicodemus, in order to be saved, you must be born again. We have died to our old selves, and we have been reborn as a new creation when we receive Jesus by faith and when we follow him. And in baptism, being submerged underwater is a picture, a powerful picture of an underground burial. That you are dying to your sin, you are dying to your old self, and you're being raised up out of that water symbolizes having been raised to a new life in Jesus Christ. And if you think about it, we see this pattern actually all throughout the Bible. This pattern of passing from death and entering into new life through waters even before Jesus' day. You remember when Moses leads the Israelites across the Red Sea to live a new, liberated life, free from the oppression of the Egyptians. And again later when Joshua leads the next generation across the Jordan River to begin their new lives in the Promised Land. And so baptism was designed by God to be a powerful, physical representation of this profound spiritual reality that we have become one with Jesus. And just as Jesus died and was resurrected, we too have died to our old sinful selves and were resurrected into a new person with Jesus now living inside of us. And I believe this, is, this truth that we are a new creation is so important that God has embedded this message all throughout his creation. You see it when a seed emerges as new life from the ground. You see it with the changing seasons. Even now on this beautiful fall day, this fall turns into winter and winter turns into spring. You see it when the sun sets and the sun rises every morning, every day. God is reminding us that he is making all things new and that we are a new creation in Christ and Jesus wants us to live in this new reality and rest in this promise. If you think about it, what, is, what a great kindness of God to not just tell us that we're a new creation, but to embed that message within creation itself. But why is it of first importance to God that we embrace that we are a new creation in Jesus? Why get baptized as a new believer? Because when you get this, when you understand what's happening, you'll be able to understand Jesus' mission for the whole world. That Christ not only came to make a new creation of you, Isaac, or you, Elizabeth, but he came to renew all of his fallen creation. And God's mission is to recover all that was lost and broken because of sin at the fall of Adam and Eve and restore it by making heaven and earth one again as it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall. And just as two become one in baptism and in marriage, two will become one again in every sense of the word when Jesus returns and heaven and earth become one again. And I believe this is why Jesus says as part of the, this great commission in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The author of life is the only one who has the authority and power to bring heaven and earth back together again. The creator God is the only one who can restore his created order. And this will happen by heaven coming to earth once again. And this is the amazing picture and the promise that we are given in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. The Apostle John is given a vision in these last days when Jesus returns. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and they are true. You know, make no mistake, when we are not going to be whisked off to some distant clouds when we die. We're going to live in a new, physically recreated earth that has been reunited with heaven in our new, physical, glorified bodies. And not just without pain and suffering and sorrow, but with, with no aches, no more receding hairlines, no more food allergies. So there's no need really to make a bucket list before you die of all the things you want to do on earth. I think we'll get the opportunity to do everything we missed, to eat everything we didn't get to eat, to see everything we wanted to see on earth, because I believe heaven is going to look a lot more like earth than we think. Because it will be a recreated earth, full of God's light, and full of God's love, his glory and his goodness, his perfect rule and reign. I want to show a brief clip from this movie, The Passion of the Christ, which was directed by Mel Gibson. Um, it stirred some controversy when it was released in 2004 because it depicted the crucifixion of Jesus in some pretty graphic and violent ways. But this scene I want to show you is not too graphic, but I know we have some sixth graders in the room, so I don't know, parents, if you need to cover their eyes, feel free. But in this scene, I want to show you... Um, Jesus has been ordered to be crucified, and he's already been severely whipped, and he's been shamelessly mocked. And he's now carrying his cross, carrying his cross across Jerusalem and towards Calvary. And as he is on his way, his mother Mary and closest disciple John watch him pass by. You can play the video. Well, when I first saw this, this scene, it really moved me, and um, not just because of the interaction between the mother and his son, her son but because this moment captures Jesus embracing his mission as already stated in Revelation. Behold, I'm making all things new. And although this interaction is not found in the Gospels, I love it because I think it honors Scripture and how Jesus understood his mission. And by embracing this mission, Jesus is able to get up again with joy set before him, endure the cross and scorn its shame with a renewed purpose knowing that through him the kingdom of heaven has come to earth, and through his death and resurrection, he is indeed making all things new. So what does that mean for us? If that was Jesus' mission, what is our mission as his followers? What is our purpose? Well, when we understand his purpose, we can better understand ours. In the same way that Jesus was making all things new by bringing heaven to earth, we as his followers are called to do the same. How? By obeying his commands. Matthew 28 again, verse 19, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what comes next? It says, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. What does that mean? What, what, what are his commands? Is it not to love God and to love one, one another? Is that not how Jesus summarized all of the law and the prophets? To live and to love as Jesus lived and loved. To act justly. To serve and to love mercy. And to walk humbly with God. 
And this means that as a new creation in Christ, we have great power and we have great authority too. Where even in our smallest acts of kindness, when done with the faith of a mustard seed, has the power of bringing heaven and earth together again. So by caring for a sick neighbor, by buying someone's dinner on a meal train, by sending someone a thoughtful word, or serving in a food pantry, by sharing the good news of the gospel, heaven is coming to earth. By choosing to forgive someone who's wounded you deeply, by sitting with someone at lunch that no one wants to sit with, by welcoming a newcomer into your home, by meeting with someone who's hurting and empathizing with them and listening to their pain and their struggle. Like, like Jesus, you're taking something that is old and lost and broken, and behold, by the power of the Spirit, you're making all things new. And this is, this is how we fulfill God's mission for us, just as Jesus did when he walked this earth. And this is how we fulfill God's mission for us until Jesus returns to earth, bringing heaven with him, finally and fully. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Here's, here's the thing, though. God, God knows that we are prone to forget this. God knows the world is always trying to, to define us in different ways apart from Jesus. God knows the enemy is keen on distracting us from God's mission and purpose for us. And because of this, God knows that we all experience doubt in this journey. And that's why in Matthew 28, I find such comfort in seeing that even among his 11 most faithful disciples, all of them would go on to die for Jesus. Even among those 11, after seeing him resurrected, still some of them had doubts. It tells us in Matthew 28, some doubted. But you see, this is exactly why God, in his wisdom, has called us to observe the sacrament of baptism every time someone joins the family of faith. This is not something you do once and then you just forget about it. No. When things get tough, we're to look back on this day and this moment and remember who we are. You are a new creation. And by doing so, we remember what God is doing. He's, he's bringing us new creation. And while we are here, we are to serve that purpose as well. And the Apostle Paul knew that we would forget this, so he was constantly reminding all believers, young and old, of what baptism represents. In Romans 6, verse 3 and 4, he says, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I think one of the best examples of remembering who we are and fulfilling our created purpose even in our doubts, is found in the Disney movie, Lion King. <coughs> Excuse me. In this story, Simba, who's the son of Mufasa, the great king of the jungle, Simba runs away from home. And he runs away from his true identity as a child of the king because of the shame of his past sins. And all the, and, and all the pride land becomes dark and destitute under the reign of evil Uncle Scar and his hyenas. And there is no hope for restoring the land back to its original state until this pivotal moment when, when Rafiki, Rafiki, the wise baboon, he finds Simba in his hiding and he reminds him of his identity and his purpose and his destiny. Play that video. That is forever. Please, don't leave me again. I never left you. I never will. Remember who you are. 
remember. And so, I ask again, who are you? I am Simba, son of Mufasa. the gospel as told by Disney. They totally ripped off the gospel. They owe God royalties. But let me just close with this summary statement. You know, baptism, again, can be transformational if we understand the spiritual reality that God is revealing to us through this physical reenactment. We are a new creation, and Jesus is renewing his creation through his resurrection and his resurrected followers until he returns. Can we bow our heads for a moment? I know there are only two people getting baptized today, but this whole day is not just about them. It's for all of us to be reminded of who we are in Jesus. Because some of us have forgotten. And I know there are some in this room right now who, who need a fresh reminder why you chose to follow Jesus of who you are in Jesus, of what God is doing in this world, no matter how broken it is, of how God wants to use you to make all things new again. But like Simba, we're living in fear. Maybe we're running from our past. Maybe we're trapped in a, an addicted sin. Maybe we're beaten up by a, this broken world and we've forgotten, we've forgotten that we are a child of the King. And that we are one with the King of Kings. And that he is not only for us, he is actually with us and in us. And God knows this commission is not easy, but what he's asking is not easy, which is why his very last words to his beloved were, surely I'm with you always, to the very end of the age. God has not forgotten you. God has not forsaken you. God has not left you alone to do his work. He's given us his spirit, which empowers us to love and to live as Jesus did. And so whatever the Lord is asking you to do in this moment, I don't know, it could be something different for each person in this room. Surrender to his will. Allow heaven to come into whatever space you occupy on earth. Because you've chosen to follow him. Surrender your will, your agenda, your desires to the King of Kings. 